oh my god, it's it's here, it's happened. Uh, this is the Eleven Dubcast, and I am Johnny Ginner. I am Michael Citro, and I'm feeling kind of championy today, Johnny. I feel championy every day, but I'm feeling especially championy today. Uh, I feel very fresh and very clean, uh, like a champion would. Uh, we we Ohio State did it. They did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Like, I'm going to say we. I'm going to, and I mean the royal we. We all did it. We all. Uh, we were all part of that. Yeah, High State is national champions in the most improbable fashion that I can possibly imagine. <laughs> the Ohio State Buckeyes have overcome injuries, uh, really painful losses, a number of incredibly stupid things happening in quick succession uh, to somehow beat some of the greatest teams in college football back-to-back in convincing fashion and are now the national champs. And that's it. And that's it. There are no more games to play. That's it. We're done. There's nothing left to prove. Ohio State is the best team in the nation, and that's it. Number one. And it's, it's, and it's freaking awesome. It's um, beyond awesome. It is, like, like I told you off the air, weeping tears of joy, good. That's how good it was. Yeah, I look, man, I'm still flabbergasted. Like, I'm sitting here on the couch. I was watching the game. I had a low-level panic attack for about 24 hours leading into the game. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sitting there at work. I'm, like, rocking back and forth. I'm like, get me out of this freaking place. I go to the gym to burn off some energy. Terrible idea. Made it worse. I come back. I have some pizza. I show with my girlfriend. Things are going good. And the game starts. I cannot stop. Like, I can't. I'm not hearing things. You know, I can't visualize anything that's going on. The entire apartment building could be burning down. I would not have noticed. Like, I would just focus on that, like, that flashing little screen there that showed, you know, college athletes throwing a ball around. That's the only thing that mattered to me for about four hours. And I just, I was just, I can't even describe the feeling. It was just like this, I wanted it so bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted it so bad and I convinced myself that I didn't really care, right? I convinced <laughs> myself that no, seriously, that hey, look. Big 10 championship, we got that. That's great. That's it. Everything else is gravy. We beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Oh my god. <laughs> Who even cares about the national championship? We've done all we could possibly have endeavored to set out to do. And then when the game started, I just wanted to die. <laughs> because I couldn't deal with how much I wanted them to win that game. I was so hoping for a win, and it happened. And sometimes good things happen to cutthroat head coaches who will do anything to win. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just I'm really happy, and I'm going to watch the game a bajillion more times. And man, if any team, if any team, and I don't mean any Ohio State team, if any college football team deserves a national championship, right? Like, has earned a national championship. It is the 2014 Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, it's ridiculous. Then, I mean, it's it's just yeah. a ridiculous story that no one would ever believe. It's like, you know, when we talked about this before, when Braxton's shoulder exploded, it was like, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll win nine games and have an okay right. season, you know? And then, you know, got that early – didn't really look all that convincing against Navy. Got the early loss there against Virginia Tech, and it was like – Okay, you know, maybe we can go to a bowl game, maybe. And uh, right. 
and then things started to slowly coalesce and come together and and you know get better and then all of a sudden it was like well okay um maybe things are going to work out after all and then we didn't get you know then the Noah Spence news came out he was not going to be back and and then JT started to play good and it was like okay well you know things are kind of still moving along we could still have a, a fun season you know and it was amazing. He just kept winning and getting better, and the line got better, and the the running game got better, and the you know the defense got a lot better. And before you knew it, they were beating Michigan State on the road, and you started to think we could win the Big Ten championship. Right. And you know they get to the end of the season, and it's the fourth quarter against their hated rivals in a tight game, and JT Barrett, who has played himself into the national conversation for Heisman Trophy breaks his ankle right and you're like oh this is ridiculous well maybe we can just hope hold on and win this game and and you know maybe and we can hopefully be competitive against wisconsin yeah, maybe, we, that, can, maybe right? we just get in a, we just don't embarrass ourselves right, right maybe we can somehow come up with some turnovers maybe the defense can win that game for us or something right and but you didn't think about a national championship really until no. until 59 nothing that's when you started <laughs> to think this team could get in and and if they get in, you you never know. You know? Well, and you know, there's one guy who who really did believe from DJ Burns the kickoff at Navy. Yeah, DJ Burns was 100,000 percent behind this team winning a national championship from the word go. So I, you know, sometimes sometimes you just gotta like learn to sit back and understand when somebody knows what's going on to not doubt them. And and that's what I've learned. This year, that if Urban Meyer says this is a good team, or our backups are good, or our defense is improving, maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> things actually are good. Maybe things in life aren't secretly bad all the, the time. Sky maybe they really fall. are. Le- the sky doesn't yeah. have to fall every single time. Um, but right. The way that it happened, again, you know, you, you throw Cardale Jones in there, and all, all you have to do is beat, you know, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper. And Marcus Mariota right in a row. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you have to go to the South and beat an SEC team, right? Uh, and then you have to go and beat you know a team that is just destroying, you know, making people look like fools with their offense. And yeah. I believe I'm not 100 percent sure of this. I haven't fact checked this, but I believe that Oregon hadn't scored fewer than 31 points all year. In a game. They had been held to 24 by Arizona, but they had not. That was their lowest point okay. total. 20 was their lowest point total for the entire so year. So then, you know, Ohio State goes out there and holds them to 20 points, gives the ball away four times. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and of those four, three of them were legitimately not forced turnovers. Three right. of them were just yeah. here, have a, have a football. You know, you yeah, can. And two of them were ungod, just some of the most frustrating, horrible things <laughs> you'll ever see. Like, you know, Jalen Marshall. and, and Let's be clear. I want to talk about this game. We we have plenty of time. We'll talk about it next week and look at the season, you know, at a at a macro level. But this game, as you know, by itself, was filled with so many just like boneheaded moments from Ohio State, where I don't know, like a rational observer, if you if you tell them how many turnovers are occurring, uh, you know, like how many times Ohio State is just shooting itself on the foot, how many times Oregon had the ball in the Ohio State red zone, you're like, there's no way Ohio State's winning this game. They're not even going to be close. Right. And a week ago, Florida State, in the same exact position, that's why they lost. Yeah. And it wasn't close because of that. But Ohio State 
is a better team. And and that's where you really see it come together. Jalen Marshall, for that horrendous pick that was 100% his fault, um, still had a brilliant catch. Oh, yeah. Okay? A couple brilliant catches, yeah. which allowed Ohio State to stay in the game when it was really kind of still in doubt. So, you know, that and that's really, I think, that game as a whole. A lot of dumb stuff, but the brilliance of the team overall and how they played, and again, especially, you know, we need to talk about the defense, and I've been overlooking that a little bit, but overall, it, it were just so good across the board that, you know, even with those turnovers, I don't know that Oregon really had a chance. Ohio State owned third down. I mean, that was the key for yes. me, was they owned both sides of the ball. They owned third down. I think Oregon was something ridiculous, like two for 16 or something like that yeah. on third down. And you, you're not going to win a whole lot of games, you know, only converting two third downs. And then Ohio State, I think, was like eight, eight of 15 or something like that. I mean, they were around 50%. And it was just right. – and three for three on fourth down. So it was right. it was really winning that key down that really helped Ohio State win. And, and then, of course, the defense, as you mentioned, give the ball away four times and only allow ten points off the four times that you give it away. Uh, that's, you know, you're putting your defense in a bad spot, and they're, you know, they're doing a good job of, of minimizing that damage. And uh, you can't really say enough about the job that, I mean, I know he's been maligned in the past, but Luke Fickle did a great job this year. And him and Chris Ash working together uh, proved to be a really good partnership. Yeah, I got to say something. If nothing else, like you can look at it unit by unit. Obviously, Larry Johnson does an amazing job with the defensive line. You know, if the linebackers are primarily Luke Fickle's concern, then he deserves a lot of the credit for the way they have played. A guy like Darren Lee coming out of nowhere to be the X factor and stopping a guy like Marcus Mariota. I mean, you know, he played with his hair on fire. You know, I don't have his. <laughs> Tyus Powell was the defensive MVP, which that's not a phrase I thought I would ever utter in any <laughs> real sense. Uh, but it happened, and I'm glad he shouted out Darren Lee because Darren Lee, I think, maybe had even a, a better game than Tyus did. But, you know, overall, like, it, the team just played incredibly well. Uh, not over their heads, though. They didn't like, you know, it wasn't like they were just, like, on this crazy rip. I mean, they were just technically sound. They were able to, as you said, um, really limit Oregon on third downs, and they kept the plays in front of them. There was one huge play that they gave up, the 70-yard touchdown pass. But beyond that, Oregon was not able to break plays like they've been used to doing. And by doing that, I think they frustrated the offense of Oregon. They did not give up uh, big rushing plays. Marcus Mariota was not able to spring things outside and, and pick up a lot of yards on the ground. And, I, you know, they essentially made – that team one-dimensional, and with the injuries that they had suffered, you know, Carrington and, like, tight ends, et cetera, they really didn't have enough options to attack Ohio State, and I think that's a big part of it. Scheme-wise, Ohio State played great. They played sound football. They played smart, and holy crap, I want to do a little, I want to do, like, a double feature of the Orange Bowl from last year because I hate myself, and, uh, and this national championship, and just admire the change in discipline from last year to this year in the secondary, because holy crap, that that is night and day. You have turned Tyvis Powell into an amazing player, uh, whereas last year he just he seemed completely lost. So I, I'm I'm really impressed across the board. Well, you know one thing that was freaking me out, and I like you, I was I was a wreck kind of all day waiting for the game to get here, and it was like it really started the night before. I started to get really worried about, and it just this pit 
in my stomach that I didn't know what it meant. Is it does it just mean that I'm stressed about the game, or does it mean that I've got a bad feeling that things are gonna go, you know, the other way? And I couldn't right. I couldn't really put my finger on what the feeling was, but it just was I just was I was out of sorts and felt terrible. And I think part of it was, you know, I saw how the players were acting, and I thought, are they? Are they taking this seriously? Do, do they think they've got it won because you know they beat Alabama? Do they think they already this is they got this because they beat it, the you know the big bad Alabama Crimson Tide? Or I didn't know what, what what it was about it, but I was a wreck all day. And then I you know I was I started to calm down when the game started, and I tried to just remind myself we're playing with house money. Everything is just gravy. There's no real reason to get excited if we don't win this game because we we're not even supposed to be here. It was like just a fluke it was i'm not really a fluke so much as with all of the things that happened no one could blame us for losing this game right. and it's been a great ride anyway uh but I, I just kept thinking it would be a damn shame if those seniors that could have left in 2011 don't get rewarded with a championship before they leave it would just be really horrible i would feel so bad for them and so i i i sat there and thinking Let's see what happens. And then, of course, Oregon came out like gangbusters and went right down the field, didn't even have a third down, scored a touchdown. Then Ohio State had like a first down or two, and then they stalled and had to give the ball back. And it, it was not an optimal start. And then all of a sudden, the table started to turn. Ohio State calmed down a little bit, got their feet under them a little bit, and said, okay, we took your punch in the mouth, and we're going to give you one now. And then they scored the next 21 points and really should have been more. I mean, Corey Smith fumbling at the 10-yard line was a killer. And, you know, right. the, the interception that was tipped up by Marshall was a killer. I mean, all, all four of those turnovers were just head shakers. But um, Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, again, to overcome that, you've got to have a team that's really, really sound in other phases of the game. We're going to talk about um, Ezekiel Elliott uh, a lot more with our, our first guest here. But the other thing that I want to point out, just you know, real quick before we kind of move into the the interview part of this this little program here, <laughs> is Cardell Jones. Um, <laughs> Cardell Jones, you know, three years ago was a punchline, a literal punchline. That's all he was known for mm-hmm. on the team, right? Like that's it. That tweet. He was known for making a dumb tweet and being big and goofy, and that's it. And if you had asked, I think anybody associated with the program. Like, is this guy going to mount it? I don't think they would have given him any votes of confidence whatsoever. I think they would have been like, this guy's done. All right, he was a Trestle recruit. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, for him to come in and play the way he has, and not not that he was beat, you know, a world beater or anything like that, but the fact that he could come in, manage a game, not play over his head, not freak out, just be very calm let the problems come when they come, but then, you know, make the big plays when he had to. That's the kind of thing that you see out of a very mature individual uh, on the field. And that's why Ohio State won. They needed that balancing force after JT Barron went down. And for Cardell Jones to be that dude, man, that is, that in itself is an amazing story. Uh, And one that obviously we're going to explore, I'm sure, for weeks and months to come. But, you know, we owe a lot to the coaching staff and the players and guys like Cardell who've been around the program for a while who realized what it was going to take to win these three big games. And and they did it. And I'm just incredibly impressed with this team overall. Uh, I'm really, really proud of them. I think that's the word that I feel like to overcome the crap that they've overcome, man, like 
I just I feel a lot of pride, and they should take the pride in knowing that they did some really incredible things this year. Yeah, and Urban talked about how you know this team is one of the closest in college football history, and and today he talked a lot about how Cardale Jones was this guy who had one foot out the door of the program, and really what it came down to was the leadership of everyone else in that room pulling him into line. And it, the light came on for him as soon as he accepted that this is the way it's going to be. If I want to be around these people, they're not going to want to have anything to do with me if I still act like this. So I'm going to have to change. And he grew up in a hurry. And, you know, kudos to the kid for having the confidence um, to go in and get that job done. He knew he could do it. He knew he had the athletic ability. He knew that he trusted the plan. He trusted his teammates. And without being over the top about it and, and into arrogance, he just was confident that he could do it. And he went out and yeah. proved it on the field. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, so the rest of the team. You know, this is a young team. They got a lot coming back. Again, we're going to talk about that next week, uh, wrapping this thing up, looking at the season as a whole. But, man, this is a dangerous Ohio State team. If you guys think that this is a, you know, a one-and-done situation, where, hey, we got a good year, and let's see if we can get back there, maybe another three or four, this is a deadly scary team. And they've just put the entire college football world on notice because – when you've got freshmen and true freshmen coming out there, you know, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, redshirt sophomores coming out and lighting everyone up, you better take notice. You better start taking some notes and figuring out how you're going to deal with this Ohio State Buckeyes team because they're not going away anytime soon. All right, joining us this week, our favorite week, uh, because this is just this has been nuts. Uh, this, of course, Matt Ficus, Ficus on football. Thank you so much for joining us, talking about Ohio State. I'm real excited. I know you're excited. You were over in Dallas, I believe. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I was at the game. How? Did, I mean, we could ask you a billion things, but I just want you to describe what the scene was like. Well, I mean, I think that first of all, before the game even started, Oregon doesn't tailgate at all evidently or they did in their hotels before they came because if you walked around the outside of the stadium before the game you would have thought that Oregon wasn't even going to show up like like no one from Oregon was going to come to the game uh inside it was you know I mean it was kind of uh like 65 35 maybe something like that the 70 30 something like that so I mean Ohio State was it was there uh the, the, the excitement was going you know, I mean the, the, the turnovers you wanted to, to to just punch someone and then <laughs> but but the second half I mean you know the the energy on the sidelines uh, you know when we got down to kind of those last four or five minutes and everyone really started to gather around the you know the sideline there and uh, I mean and, and it, was, it was unbelievable you know I mean and and you know what, what sums it up best you know I'm sitting in the hotel lobby this morning getting ready to get to go back to the airport and, and urban walks through the lobby and I, you know, I talked to him for a second. I mean, and, and all, like the first thing he says to me is like, do you believe this? I mean, like, <laughs> like he still is in shock of, of what this team and what everyone was able to accomplish. I mean, literally the first thing out of his mouth was, do you believe this? I mean, it, it just, it, and that's, you know, I rode back on the team bus with a lot of the guys last night after the, uh, after the post game show. I mean, and, and it was it was a shock and awe. I mean, you know, when when you come from from as far back as this this group did with with Virginia Tech, and and you end up winning the national title. I mean, it just it, it, it's it's bizarro world, you know. Yeah, it's that, and that's the thing, man. Like that's where I'm at, and I think a lot of Ohio State fans are at, where it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like I almost feel like they, we got to play another game, right? Like. 
okay, next week, let's do it. Who's next? Like, we got to, you know, we got to prove ourselves. We got to go out there and make sure that we're legit. Still the underdogs. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's mind-blowing. So, I, you know, I'm just, I'm still in awe, and I think I am definitely with Urban. Like, I, I don't know that I can quite believe it yet. So I'm going to have to watch it on replay another four or five times, I think, before it really sinks in. Matt, I mean, was, just uh, I'm sorry, did go you ahead. Think, did you think it was um, just a matter of Ohio State being just way more physical than Oregon? Is that what it just boils down to? You know, I mean, even before the game, it, it was such a good matchup for us. I mean, it, the, I like I said in the pregame, the key, and then you know I said it on uh, on the podcast last week, the fact that we have two guys in, in Josh Perry and Darren Lee, who we don't have to worry about the sub packages. I mean, the, the whole Oregon offense and the speed and the tempo, and, and you know I'm flying back on the plane with the guy, and he's like, why don't they, you know, they didn't do the fast tempo thing all the time. Well, if you watch Oregon, they don't. They, you know, they'll substitute and they'll and they'll huddle. I mean, not huddle, but they'll look to the sideline, run guys in and out until they get the matchup that they want, and that's when they go fast pace and and don't let you sub in and and and, and go for the jugular. But Ohio State with those outside linebackers, they can tackle in space, they can jam those the slot receivers, they could run with them a little bit and create some uh, some time for the defensive line to get there. Oregon couldn't find a matchup suitable to them on the offensive side for them. I mean, it just, that, that was, we matched up so well with our corner safeties and outside linebackers and, and their offensive line was just had no answer for our defensive line. I mean, they, they could not block them at all. So, so they couldn't create a matchup and you could really tell uh, midway through that second quarter that, that they were hanging on by those turnovers. And that if Ohio state ever got its head out of its butt, that, that, that it was going to be ugly. Yeah. Four turnovers. Like that's, Watching that, I, I had I was convinced that Ohio State had given the game away at least two or three times, and it, it almost kind of like boggles the mind that the team got away with that much. But I think it's also you know maybe as goes to show how important the running game was and kind of controlling time of possession and things like that, which a lot of people say is a meaningless step. But when you're you know Oregon had the ball for what like six minutes in the second half, yeah, so. I mean, how important was Ezekiel Elliott in just, like, stopping Oregon dead in its tracks, regardless of the mistakes that the other parts of the offense were making? You know, I mean, I, I think that, that maybe there's a little too much being made of that. I, I And I'm with Darren Lee. you got to give credit to this defense. I mean, th- this wasn't the offense keeping them off the field. Go back to the first half and look at those series that they had following the touchdown. It was four plays punt, five plays punt, three plays punt, five plays, you know, or I think it was like a seven-play drive that they turned over on downs. I mean, the defense was doing the job every time Oregon Oregon had their possessions. I think they had seven or eight possessions in the first half, which is, you know, pretty much on par for them. They just couldn't score. It it wasn't a matter of us keeping the ball away from them. When they got the ball, they weren't able to move it. And, And that was a factor of, you know, they made Marcus Mariota sit in the pocket and, and try to throw into man coverage a little bit into some tight windows, and, and that's not his comfort level. That's not what he feels good about. Now, that doesn't take anything away from what Ezekiel Elliott does. I mean, 246 yards, third consecutive 200-yard game. I mean, it's just ridiculous what, what he's been able to do. But but I don't think that it was a factor of – I think you can give Oregon in that game you know, 30 possessions. The defense flat out had their number. I mean, and, and, and that was you, – they go through that first series, and you, you, I chalk that up to jitters, and you know, and, and a couple. You're just you're in that moment, and, and you, you hear so much about the Oregon speed, and that they're so much faster than us. And then you play that first series, and then maybe in the, somewhere in that first series, like yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're fast, but but they're not that fast. We can play with them. You come back out, and, and you start to assert yourself. And that's a young team. That's a young team not having 
quite enough confidence in itself to come out and just dominate from the beginning to, to kind of hear the hype a little bit and, and to maybe fall prey to it. You know, I mean, the touchdown that they had on the long play, I, I would talk to Luca on, on the bus ride back about it. I mean, they had a great call. They were playing cover three. There should have been a safety in the middle of the field, and it was just a blown coverage. You came down, you know, on a dig at 12 yards, and you've got a post going behind you for, you know, for 70. Uh, but other than that, Oregon didn't do anything. They, they, they were unable to move the ball. I mean, even with the turnovers, I mean, they, they Mariota wasn't able to get outside the pocket and scramble and make big plays with his feet. I mean, the defense did a phenomenal job. There's a lot of points there. Or I'm sorry, a lot of yards that, that came up, I think 400 some yards, but, I mean, really, you, you shut that team down. You you held them to three points on one turnover. Uh, you gave up the one big play in the in the in the first series. But other than that, the the defense was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the defense too, Matt, because I, I made a point in my column to say I thought the play of the game uh, may have come when it was uh, Oregon was knocking on the door after another turnover. It was almost about to take the lead. Mariota finds his tight end in the back of the end zone. Eli Apple pushes him out of bounds before he can come down, and they have to settle for a field goal, and they can't take the lead. I thought that was a big uh, play as far as momentum uh, was concerned, and I, I thought that the defense played very well all night against a, a pretty difficult uh, set of variables that they have to that they have to take into account on every play. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're dealing with a team that's averaging 42 points a game. I mean, and and. That's that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a team that that scores and scores a lot and scores with big plays and scores from from kind of all different angles on you. Uh, that was a big play, you know, the, the push out there that forced them to a field goal, the stop on fourth down, uh, you know, I mean fourth and goal and they go for mm-hmm. it and and don't get in. I mean that's that's huge and and just holding them on. Uh, I think two of the turnovers, uh, they 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 held them to I think three or four and out and made them punt. Uh, that, I mean that right there to me was the game when when Yuri when you give away that much in the first half four turnovers and you're still down one point or you're up one point excuse me I mean that, that that's that shows you that that defense uh, w- was playing really well the offense obviously was scoring but when you give the other team the ball four times and and they are unable to I think they had 10 points off four turnovers that's pretty good I mean in the grand scheme of things when you're, when you're giving the ball away four times and you only give up 10 points uh, that's that's playing some defense I'll take it <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think we all took it. Uh, here's, um, I guess, the big last question then. At what point did you start to believe that this was, like, and I mean, I guess in the season, not necessarily in the game itself, but at what point do you start to believe that this Ohio State team could actually pull this off and, and get it the national championship? I, you know, for me... Th- Immediately after Virginia Tech is an acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, really probably the Big Ten championship game. I think that's when everyone kind of stood up and took notice. And, and you know, we, I'd, I'd seen Wisconsin play a couple times during the year. Uh, you know, I, I watched that Northwestern game that they lost, uh, and, and I've watched a couple of their other games over the course of the year. And I knew they were a good football. They weren't a great football team, but they were a good football team. And when you dominate a, a good football team, you know that that's saying something. And, and when you go through that, and you're able to to, to make that kind of a statement. That's why, you know, I made the prediction, uh, you know, a 10 or 11 point win against Alabama. I, after that Wisconsin game, I felt that this team really had what it took to, to make it. Well, and that's, you know what, that's, that's <laughs> I think that's a sentiment that uh, is echoed by a lot of people. That that three game run that, that is kicked off with the Big Ten Championship game, that brought us around to something that I sure as hell did not think it was possible back in the middle of August uh, after Braxton Miller went down. So that's, man, I, I'm just, 
I'm ecstatic. I know you are, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and and you know just sharing that with us. And we'll have you on a little bit uh, more just to maybe break down uh, the season as a whole. But thanks so much for coming on tonight. Anytime, guys. You guys uh, get some sleep. All right, joining us tonight is Ohio State legend Maurice Corrette. You have so many perspectives to offer us. I'm really, really, really glad that you're on tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. So I've got, like I said, I've got a bunch of questions for you. The first thing I want to ask you, though, we talked a lot about the national championship game uh, beforehand here, but one guy that we didn't really talk a lot about was Ezekiel Elliott, and the reason for that is because I want to ask you about that guy. Um, you were talking a lot on Twitter last night about him and his play, and I just want you to kind of talk about like how you saw his evolution from like the beginning of the season to the very end of the season. Oh uh, yeah, when I, when I initially seen uh, Ezekiel, um, my, my first initial impression was that he was just like average. You know, uh, there was a couple of runs in between the tackles that you know he just wasn't uh, hitting right, or hitting the hole kind of hard when he got to the line of scrimmage. Uh, it was a lot of stuff like first contact, he was going down, and no one kind of emerged from the pack, so to speak. And, uh, excuse me, then it hit about midway through the season. Uh, I'm pretty sure Coach Drake must have been uh, correcting him on some things he may have seen. And I don't know if it was just uh, uh, more intensity at practice. So I don't know if it was film studying, but you started to see uh, just him emerge. You know, uh, early on, yeah, he had a, a great outside running game, but he didn't kind of want to mix it up. But I guess as the season went on and he started being more comfortable running within the tackles, he started to use all that to his advantage. And, uh, man, I just seen him do some amazing stuff. And consistently, when I mean consistently get better, he had consistently got better, uh, was hit, hitting the holes right. He was uh, he was making cuts and runs that, uh, as a running back, I know are very hard to make. You know what I'm saying? Changing different gears and things of that nature. And um, I, we just kind of seen like a star emerge. You know, it was kind of like uh, the same thing with Carlos. I uh, had played against Northwestern last year, and um, he was he was he was just grinding out the whole game. And I felt like that that was uh, Carlos' emerging part where he kind of broke out with everything. Um, and I think Ezekiel was maybe I would say Minnesota. We had maybe like ninety something yards, and things progressively got better from there. So I mean, just to kind of follow up with that, what what quality do you think a running back needs to have to really get to that next level? You know, to get to that point where you can like have two hundred yards against Alabama and Oregon, Wisconsin. Uh, his patience, if you watch him, uh, the, the biggest part of my game that, that helped me to have a bunch of success early on uh, was patience. And the biggest thing I've seen, Ezekiel Edap, Ezekiel was uh, his patience. And uh, and he, he he's, he's added the level of patience, and that thing uh, transcends and goes on to the next level. Uh, but he also had an outside game. He was a natural runner, I guess. So I'm pretty sure he must have broke a lot of uh, uh, outside zone plays in, uh, in high school because it's translated to what he's doing now. Um, but, you know, he, he has it. You know what I'm saying? He has it. And, uh, and, and just the patience. You have to let the plays develop. You have to let blockers kind of get on their blocks. And if, uh, and if you can master that, if you can master the timing of that, and you can understand or anticipate, you know, New York's come from anticipation. And, and if you can anticipate what people will be and you kind of trust within the system, you'll break up runs. Yeah, Maurice, uh, it's interesting you, you brought that up. Uh, one of the things that has struck me about Ezekiel Elliott over the season is that, you know, he hits his, he hits his holes hard. He, he does have that patience and that vision uh, to see where the blocks are and leading him. And he also is one of those guys who can, uh, you know, break big runs and he can take runs where there is no hole and still get two or three yards out of him. 
and now that he's won a national championship, he kind of reminds me a little bit of someone else. Uh, number 13, I think he wore. Um, <laughs> how, how do you compare? Um, I mean, everybody's different, but you know, what do you see in, in Zeke's game that maybe reminds you know reminds you of uh, or reminds him of you? And you know, what are the differences between you know you and him as as runners? Uh, oh, oh well, I'll say that the, the obvious thing, the patience for me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he must have studied some film of uh, of a lot of guys who have been patient. I know uh, Le'Veon Bell is uh, one of the young guys I see right now who have a tremendous amount of patience, and uh, you see the success that he had in Pittsburgh. But that thing kind of reminds me of myself. Uh, but the difference is, you know, I never had an outside zone running game. My bread and butter was kind of like in between the tackles. Uh, I can maneuver real well there, but I never had like uh, real high top end speed. And, and what's happened is that he's understood how to emerge both. You know, Sam, uh, very good. Excuse me, he's very good at pass blocking as well. But he's learned how to uh, emerge and, and go with both. You know, Sam. These days, you usually have one guy who's good on the outside and not good on the inside, and, and vice versa. Uh, but but he's he's learned how to consistently get better. You know, Sam. And uh, he started to peak at the right moment. I, I'm not sure that. Um, uh, if he would have peaked early, I'm not sure if his game would have kind of deteriorated uh, going from there. But you can see where he started to peak, and when he peaked, he just peaked at the right moment. And uh, and obviously uh, that that gave uh, Urban or, or Tom or whoever was calling plays uh, more confidence. You know, saying to give him the ball more. You know, 36 rushes is a lot of rushes. Uh, but you know, obviously they they felt comfortable with him, and and you know he he just made the the whole situation for Cornell a lot easier. You know, one of the things that I was I was thinking about, and I'm really glad you brought up, was about blocking in general. It feels like, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like this is one of the best blocking teams overall that I've seen in a long time. Like, how important is it to have, like, tight ends and wide receivers who can block, you know, especially downfield for guys, like, who are trying to carry the rock, like Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, it's, uh, it's tremendous because it allows you to be more aggressive as a runner. Uh, when you have guys, you know, you can depend on, we had one guy, uh, Shane Olivier, he was a, uh, he was real – like, it, it, whenever I needed something, he was always, hey, Maurice, run behind me. Hey, I have you on this. And as a runner, you can be more aggressive uh, because you're not worried about miscellaneous hits. You kind of hit your legs, hit your shoulders, or, or catching blindside hits because you have guys you can trust. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it, it gives the uh, offensive line more incentive to block for you a little harder uh, when they know you're back there to carry the, I mean, when you're back there to carry the mail, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And those guys, just as a runner, browse off running, uh, people enjoy running blocking. You know I mean? And it's just good for both parties. Yeah, you know, talking about blocking, one of the things Zeke does really well is is his blocking from the running back position. One of the things you have to do is pick up blitzes. Another thing is you have to work in concert with the offensive line. How difficult is it for running backs to become good blocking running backs? Uh, it, it is very hard because initially um, – you're basically taking on somebody who has about a four or five yard head start. And uh, you have somebody who's coming downhill, and, and most of the time, the college guys try to pull rush you. you know, there's not a lot of moves or a lot of savviness. Uh, so it's hard. You have to, you know, you have to sit in there, you know, saying you, you have to absorb, I mean, shoot your punch out uh, and simultaneously uh, absorb whatever hit that they have. And, and you're really fighting for two or three seconds, you know, saying so, so for a young guy, uh, like uh, Ezekiel, you know, this uh, I commend him to that. You know, you have guys at the professional ranks uh, who can't block, you know what I mean, and these guys become two down backs. But when you have a guy who has the complete package uh, and he's only getting better, you know, there's only upside to him, you know what I mean, it, it just, it, it's going to be a cool thing to watch. 
You know what? Okay, so we talked about the running backs, and that, that's obviously like a huge reason why I'm really glad to have you on. But the second thing is, you know, you've got the unique position of, you know, having the experience of being in that championship game. And I just want to get some perspective. You know, what is it like? Because I, I was about coming out of my skin before the game started. What's it Absolutely. like for the players before that game starts? You know, like, what uh, are they feeling? Uh, I, th- I think if you ask any of them, uh, the game just starts so late. Uh, and it, you just have a lot of time to burn on your hands. You don't know what to do. Uh, there's nothing else that's irrelevant in your life at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like this yeah. is this is the big deal. This is everything. You can, like and you cannot uh, try, you can't avoid it. You know, be it with Twitter and be it with uh, your family members always texting you and and be it that um, um, our phones are so much a part of our daily lives. You know, you're, you're consumed by this thing and you keep on doing all of these little trivial things to try to pass the time. Uh, I remember I probably played the video game at our hotel a thousand times, uh, just trying to pass time and trying to burn hours without trying to psych yourself out, so to speak. You know, and uh, you know, and it's a bit overwhelming. You know, saying I, I seen the other day or yesterday that they had Jimmy Cal- uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Robin Roberts and, and so many national news sources, uh, and that's distracting in itself, along with the other players and, and all the celebrities that happen to be in the house. Uh, but when we were there, uh, Eddie George was on the sideline. That was like a big deal to me. You know what I'm saying? This uh, 18-year-old kid was having Eddie George on the sideline and David Boston, some of these legendary people, these legendary figures, all those things begin to consume you. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're just trying to say, hey, uh, let's get this thing started so I can kind of just get into a groove of the game or get to the main thing. Uh, I remember being so nervous that uh, on the first play of the game, even though Chris Gamble was on the field with us, I had lined up in the wrong position just because I was so nervous and wrecked. <laughs> My brain was kind of wrecked everywhere. Uh, but good thing that he uh, he lined up on, on, the, on the wrong side because uh, I came over and trust was like, what was he doing? I said, man, I had no clue. You know, I drew a blank. You know, so those, <laughs> you know, those, those guys, uh, those guys were probably uh, within the same moment. You know, I'm glad you brought up uh, Jim Trestle because he was at the game last night. It was really kind of fitting that he was there for the uh, national championship, uh, winning of the national championship. You know him pretty well. What do you think he was thinking, you know, as that game uh, wound down and Ohio State uh, came out on top? Uh, I think there was um, an assortment of emotions. I'd say uh, from the from the beginning of it, I would say uh, just him being there in that moment brought a sense of closure kind of to everything that took place. Uh, in, in the capacity which he was received, I saw a couple of news outlets uh, do interviews with him, but it was uh, it was very cool to watch him, and uh, very cool for him to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but you know, said in, in a way, it felt like it was just the proper way to pass the torch. You know, what I'm saying, and he probably was proud just watching a lot of those young guys that he recruited. You know, what I'm saying go ahead and experience that. You know, uh, I almost even myself, you know, it was like it was kind of like tears of joy, just understanding the amount of work it takes to be a champion at anything. You know, what I'm saying. And you can kind of get riled up, and you know, uh, you, you just know how these young guys feel. You know the amount of work it takes. You know, uh, when these guys come on campus, they're dreamy out and they want to relive this moment. You know what I'm saying? So to see a lot of those young guys get a chance to experience that, you know what I'm saying? There's no one better. There's no one else uh, in the world who is better than us. You know what I'm saying? And, and the mm-hmm. feeling is like a euphoric, high, uh, very energetic, and um, it, it, it's an intense moment. You know what I'm saying? So I'm pretty sure. Um, Trussell probably embody all all of that, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he probably has a different uh, perspective just even with coaching, you know what I'm saying, to watch Urban Meyer go out there and uh, to make it happen and to bring it home and to bring that that level of prominence back, you know, it's probably a beautiful thing. 
So, I mean, last question, I guess, then, is, is what do you think the future looks like for Ohio State? I mean, young team, you know, you've got kind of a quarterback thing you got to deal with, but, you know, what do you see is in the future for the, the Buckeyes? Oh, I think it's great. The biggest thing, you know, what, what this does is it helps with recruiting, you know what I mean? And that's the biggest thing. We won a national championship. you got to remember just all the young guys who came in after that uh, because people want to be a part of that winning program. That's why Alabama was so good for some of the years that they kept on winning and the, and the young guys want to be a part of that. Uh, it, it helps us. It, it helps to take that stigma that Ohio is too slow and, and this is not uh, a place that will get you to the next level. And that just draws more guys in. Uh, and it gets people to buy in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, more players buy in. You know what I'm saying? When, when your coach goes out there and he makes it happen and you do everything uh, that you ever dreamed of, you buy in more to, more to the philosophy. You have young guys who probably um, watched his leadership skills or urban leadership skills last year, and, and they understand the mechanics of what it takes to make this thing happen again. And it's just good, you know. So it's it's good for everybody, and uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for the quarterback situation, however it pans out, plays out. I'm excited for our running back situation, and I'm excited for those young guys on defense uh, and the performance that they've put on all season. Well, Maurice, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your input. I mean, there's there's really really very few people as well equipped as you to to answer these questions. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. Uh, joining us tonight, we got a very packed dubcast yet again. Uh, Taylor Rooks, Big Ten Network, Network TV host, reporter, and correspondent. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. Very excited to talk to you guys. Good. I am, I'm very excited to talk to you, and hopefully you can match our crazy excitement. I saw over on the internets and uh, you know, on the TV and all that stuff that you were, you were also very excited about the game last night. <laughs> Look, we... We want to get that perspective. We want to see where you guys are at over at the BTN. I, I this this is the biggest question that I have, and I guess we can get into the more like the minutia and the other stuff a little later on. But I feel like at the Big Ten Network, it almost feels like you guys have had to be like, "Come on, plucky little underdog, you can do it. You guys can do it." And now that Ohio State and the Big Ten has like completely redeemed themselves, how much more fun is it to report on these guys? Honestly, like, words can't even explain, like, how much fun it has been. Like, when when you look at, like, kind of the national scale and people constantly saying, you know, the Big Ten is so bad, I don't want to watch Big Ten football. And you're the Big Ten network. You're like, oh, guys, come on. Like, it's not that bad, you know? So when you when a, when a team from the Big Ten actually goes, beat Alabama, beat Oregon, they become a national champion, it's just you feel like, you know, what you're doing is so important in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's just kind of the biggest thing that people at the Big Ten Network are taking from. And it's just been so much fun. It's been so amazing. You know, yeah, so really, the, the last I'm three sorry. weeks uh, has has been pretty crazy, as you know, just for the fans. But I can't imagine what the media have gone through because we, you know, we have our own writers and photographers that have been traveling around. And, and I just can't imagine what goes into the production of, of events like, you know, the Big Ten Network had last night with the postgame show and everything, the pregame show and, and all of that. I mean, yeah. is it like a is it like an all hands on deck kind of thing where everybody is just like working all the time? And what 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 is that atmosphere like? Oh, it's definitely all hands on deck. And, like, I was tweeting about this once, like, this was 15 games. I mean, this is, like, my first, you know, job out of school, out of network, 
longest football season I have ever experienced in my <laughs> life. Like right, right when you think it's over, you're like, well, we're going. So, you know, you're happy that you continue to go, but you're like, gosh, sleep would be nice. But I mean, it's every single person in there, you know, from research to producers to the APs, everybody's like, okay, we want to make the show look good. And we, we really tried to get like every different angle of what was going on with Ohio State. Because to me, like, one of the coolest parts about the whole thing, it really wasn't everything on the field. The off-the-field stuff is so intriguing to me, you know, the preparation, the coaching, what, how the players kind of feed off each other. And so it's just been the Big Ten Network really trying to capture each moment of the Ohio State journey to the championship. So as someone who's been following this then, what to you is the most interesting storyline, I guess, that's kind of emerged? I mean, obviously there's a billion, but yeah. for you personally, what's the most – interesting or entertaining storyline that's kind of emerged um, from Ohio State this year? What would I say? Okay, honestly, like, I am very intrigued by just, like, I, I always call it the art of winning, and it just seems like Urban Meyer has just mastered that. So, to me, the coolest storyline is Urban Meyer. I know everyone's – I think Cardell Jones has been such a great storyline, you know, to have your three stars be on such a big stage and win. Like, don't get me wrong. That's way up there. He's been amazing. But, like, Urban Meyer and just the way that he can steer a team, to me, is just, like, so cool. And I've been very vocal about this. I can't believe he didn't get Big Ten Coach of the Year. So I'm going to say it again. <laughs> no Ohio State coach ever will. No. It's um, never going to happen. It's crazy. But, no, Urban Meyer. And then, of course, from just, like, you know, an emotional standpoint, I love the Jacob Jarvis storyline. I just think that is – the most touching thing in college sports right now. Yeah, that was a very powerful, uh, a powerful image with the players uh, with him on on the journey, um, the yeah. TV program, the journey was it was very touching. Uh, I and it, it kind of segues into what I was going to ask you is is the stories that are, you know, sports is supposed to be uplifting and fun and emotional uh, and all of those things, but you know, obviously Ohio State had a tragedy of its own this year with with Costa Cara George. Uh, passing yeah. away. Uh, what is it like as a as a media member to have to you know take off that happy you know fun enthusiastic sports hat and and talk about stories like that? You know, I think that you know it, it's obviously so heartbreaking and and so sad, and it gives you almost a chance to humanize athletes. You know, I think a lot of the time people think that they almost aren't human. Like when you see them on the field, when mm -hmm. they go off the field, they just go into a box. And then the next time they exist is when you see them on the field, you know. <laughs> and so to to kind of be able to say, you know, there are real issues and there are real problems. And these athletes go through real life, you know, issues. I think it's so important. And, but it's it's so heartbreaking, like being like close to Kara George, you know. And, and to see how the team, you know, really came together when he passed away and, you know, the tweet saying this win was for him. It's just, it just really shows you that there's so many sides of sports. And, as, you know, as much as you, you hate to have to bring such sad news to the forefront, I, I think that it kind of shows a lesson to everyone who enjoys sports. So this is this is maybe getting a little on a different track here. One of the things that you tweeted out, and, and maybe this, I guess, does connect a little bit, uh, was oh, you God. said that this I'm never this never ends well. One of the things you do that. <laughs> no, well, for, fair enough, fair enough, and that, that would definitely apply <laughs> to me as well. Um, but 
Uh, I think you asked a really good question. I, I think you asked a really good question. This is something that I've been kind of racking my brain a little bit, too. Uh, you said, I'm honestly trying to figure out why people dislike Ohio State so much. This is a serious question. Some of you literally loathe them. And i got to tell you something. I have asked myself this so many times. And I, what do you think the answer is to that? Why do you think some people just have this huge resentment of Ohio State? Okay, number one, it is so ridiculous how people do not like you guys. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is like, wow, We're you so guys nice. truly are not about the Buckeye life. But I don't know. It's like, so I asked that, and a lot of the responses were like, oh, because they ran up the score. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and, and, like, they tried to win the game, you know? I then, like, a lot, like, honestly, hey, nothing against the high State fans. I like the high State fans. They have been very good to me. But what a lot of people said was, it's not Ohio State. It's the Ohio State fans. <laughs> They're like, the fans are obnoxious and all this stuff. But I'm like, you know what? To me, when you can win, you can be whatever you want to be. And honestly, like, I think that that's just kind of like what Ohio State is right now. Like, but I do not know why people dislike them so much. Like, even if you're looking at Twitter, when Michigan State is playing, people are like, ooh, like, I want Michigan State to go out there and beat Baylor when, like, you know, Wisconsin's playing. It's like, go Melvin Gordon and, like, go Big Ten beat Hubbard. But people were like, I don't want Ohio State to win. I'm like, this is crazy to me. Like, people are root for every other Big Ten school, but they, like, it has to be backhanded when it comes to Ohio State. I, I honestly am still, it's going to be the forever mystery to me. Haters going to hate. That's what I have to say. Right? Um, <laughs> here's, what, here's what interests me is that, you know, every step of the way Ohio State was not going to be able to do it. Ohio State, oh, JT Barrett got hurt. Ohio State's not going to be able to beat Wisconsin. Okay, they won the Big Ten Championship, but with Cardale Jones, they're not going to beat Alabama. And Okay, yeah. they beat Alabama, <laughs> but they're not going to beat Oregon and win a national championship with a third-string quarterback and all this and that. What about the Big Ten Network folks? Was there – what was the, the behind-the-scenes sort of feeling about Ohio State's chances entering – the the college football playoffs um did, did everybody think we were going to be out the first round or were, was there some optimism I and mean, what was what was the prevailing thought honestly no joke everything that we like predicted or said on air is what we genuinely thought like everybody was like now okay there were people that were a little shaky about ohio state beating alabama not me. I said on Twitter they're going to win for the record. But there were people that were like, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it's Nick Saban, oh my gosh. And it's third string quarterback. He's like, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't think get blown out, but I don't think they'll win, you know, that whole story. But a lot of, like, a lot of people were like, I really think Ohio State has a chance, and I think they may win. And then when down up they had to play Oregon, everybody was like, they'll win. I was vocally like, are you guys kidding me? Alabama, to me, is a much harder opponent than Oregon. Like, it was never a question in my mind that Ohio State was, was going to win that game. So everyone at Big Ten Network was totally behind Ohio State, and everyone was just so excited. I know everyone's like, oh, well, Pat Forty hates the Big Ten. I don't know what Pat was thinking. I did not talk to him during the Ohio State thing. <laughs> we don't <laughs> care do what Pat Forty was thinking. <laughs> but I do know that as far as like me, Coach Mason, Stanley Jackson, of course, Chuck Long, like Dave Preston, like had full confidence in Ohio State that they were going to bring back the championship. 
Yeah, and that's and and man, I gotta tell you something. I I was in college uh, during the two times that Ohio State played and lost in the national championship under Jim Tressel, and the catharsis of like getting this one is just unbelievable. So um, I guess my final question for you then is is kind of related to that. Um, where does where do you think Ohio State goes from here? I mean, you you see these guys report on them, you see the coaches like speak and all that stuff. But what's next for Ohio State? Do you think what what is the the next step? I guess in, in what they're trying to do. I honestly feel like Ohio State can go like nowhere but up. I know everybody says you know the team is going to be so good next year because they're so into returning. But to me, it's like yeah, that's very true. But the team is going to be so good because. Who, what recruit is not going to want to go to Ohio State? It's just, it's going to be like a continuous, I really feel like almost a dynasty is going to start coming. I'm not saying every year they're going to win the national championship. So no, saying. that's what you're saying, Taylor. That's yeah. exactly what you're saying. <laughs> but I am saying every year they will be a top program. I don't know, I don't know what would stop them from being that. So I think that the next step really is just consistency, consistently being the team to beat. And, you know, I, I saw somebody on Twitter saying today, Urban Meyer, everybody says he's sneaking up on Nick Saban, but that he's there right now. I think that he's right there with Nick Saban. And I think that as long as he, you know, stays on this track, he, he'll stay there and then he'll, I guess, surpass him. I just, I don't think that Ohio State is going to go down at all. I think that the quarterback situation is going to be interesting. But I think that there's nowhere to go. But uh, well, I think uh, he's got to get past Tim Beckman first. But um, oh, you know, hey, have... you're right about that. Woo! Excuse <laughs> me. I actually have a question for you guys. I'll do okay. it. Okay. So you know, as you so eloquently pointed out, I am in a line eye. Right. And so I just want to know, how, what is this like? What is this? <laughs> what does this feel like? Your team just won the national championship. Like you're like, yes, I went to Ohio State. What has this been like for you guys? You know how like when you eat, you eat a lot of food, a lot of really good food, you know, and but you're just somehow still hungry. You're like, man, I could eat like another fruit desserts, and you just feel like a horrible gluttonous pig, but you don't care anymore because you just want yes. more. Food. That's what it feels like. You just, you just feel like you're this endless buffet, and you're just gonna eat forever. It's like it's awesome. I love it. Amazing, amazing. Well, I will say, I said this the other day, Illinois Beetle has it in 83. Woo-hoo, so I'm going to hold on to that forever. Well, you also beat, <laughs> Illinois also beat Ohio State in 2007 in my last game as a student at Ohio State, and I will never forget that as long as I live. The fumble game. It was the fumble game. Oh, that was oh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> he fumbled. That should never have happened. Uh, well, we, we can act like it happened, right? <laughs> yeah, well. Well, so ILL, always. There you go. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate the perspective and the conversation, and we'll have to have you on again sometime. Anytime at all. You guys are the best. And that does it for the 11 Dubcast on this championship week. Ohio State is the best college football team in the country. champs, baby. Indisputable fact. That's right. And that is not something that I – would ever imagine have said or saying back in August or September or October, frankly, for that matter. But the past month has just been a ridiculous whirlwind, and I'm just I'm incredibly proud of this team. I'm proud of you, Michael Citro. I did have a lot um, to do with it. You really did. Uh, I'm proud of DJ Burns for always predicting an Ohio State win and always being right. 
I'm proud of me for correctly predicting the Virginia Tech loss and then just being in a daze for the rest of the season and somehow coming out, you know, not dead on the, you know, the end of it. Um, I'm just proud of all you guys, all you guys listening, uh, all you guys who have supported Ohio State throughout this. This has been a really crazy, weird season, but if you stayed on that bandwagon, you didn't jump off after all the nutso stuff that we've been through, then you deserve a pat on the back, too. Yeah, okay? and you got so, great taste in podcasts, by the way. That's right. You, you're just a wonderful human being. Well, my point is, guys, is that this has been an amazing, unbelievable season, the most remarkable season that I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'm, I'm almost 30, but so it's not a lot of seasons, I guess, of football. But, man, this is the craziest one. Just the improbability of it is just blowing my mind. Um, so I'm really glad you got to you got to experience this with us. We were not able to get to your Ask Us Anything questions this week. We will do those next week. Um, we'll probably be a little more jumbo-sized uh, when it comes to Dubcast. We want to keep this one a little short and sweet so you can enjoy the, you know, basking in the glow of the championship. Um, but we'll definitely get to your questions next week. Please keep sending in Dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter. Um, but that, that takes us to our final question here, Michael, and I have just one very simple question for you. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, okay, Uh-huh. How much are Ohio State are the Ohio State Buckeyes champions of college football? Oh, is ten the highest? It could be any number, Michael. Because we're because <laughs> the answer is they won. They're eleven they're the billion. They're the champions. They're the champions. They're they're you know. So on a scale from one to ten, eleven billion. They are the champions. No one can touch them. They are. Just so superior to everyone else in every way, and and we should all bow down before them. Yeah, I'm really excited, and and you know what? Like, I wish there was another game for us to win by another 40 points because this. I don't want this train to stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this thing over and over and over and over. Do double bill with the sugar bowl. <laughs> you know what? Let's do it like Lord of the Rings. Let's do it like the Lord of the Rings people do, where they watch like all of the Lord of the Rings back to back. Let's make it our trilogy. Let's watch the Big Ten Championship, the Sugar Bowl, and the National Championship back to back to back. Let's make that an annual thing. Yeah, that would be. That's how I want to live my life. I like that. Um, I like it's a marathon. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Let's rent out, rent out a freaking uh, movie theater. All right. Get some comfy seats. Get some popcorn. Oh yeah. Get your popcorn ready. If you got that stuff on DVR, that's that's what you should do this weekend. All right. Marathon these suckers because embed them, burn them into your brain so you never forget what you just saw because it was sweet. So until next week, I am, as always, the very victorious Johnny Ginter. And I am the very champion-y Michael Citro. And we're going to see you guys next week. We're going to keep talking about this. So peace out. Peace.